chapter five was definitely the most difficult chapter for me to write um, because it's almost like I wish it weren't true because in chapter five I talk about lukewarm Christianity and basically my conclusion is there's no such thing I mean when Jesus talks about the lukewarm person he's saying I'm going to spit that person out of my mouth he makes it so clear because that person is not a true follower of mine and so this whole idea of being a lukewarm Christian really is an oxymoron when I read the Bible I don't see that Jesus gives us room to say that we're Christians and yet not truly follow him and that scares me I mean it's not something where I'm being judgmental towards another person or even toward myself I just go man that's that's a scary thought I think there are a lot of us in the world who call ourselves Christians and yet we don't really follow his ways and somehow we've made it so that that's okay that there are the true disciples and followers and then there are these Christians you know Christians are people who believe in Jesus but their lives don't really change a whole lot but they're still saved and I'm going well, I don't see that there's room for that in Scripture. I mean, I wish there were, because like I said, it saddens me because I think of people in my life that I really care about, that call themselves Christians, and yet they don't really follow Jesus. And this isn't about my opinion. I mean, when you read the, when you read the Bible yourself, do you really see that there's room for a person who calls himself a Christian but is not a follower? Does that really make sense to you that there could be a person who doesn't really obey the commands of Jesus Christ yet is truly a saved Christian? See, when I read it, I go, no way. The Bible is clear. He says if anyone calls himself a believer and yet doesn't obey his commands, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Judge for yourself. Um, isn't about me or one guy's interpretation but try to read the Bible literally try to look at these passages objectively and ask yourself have I been fed this idea of a person being a Christian who doesn't follow Jesus or is it true that there's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian as a warning sign Jesus always in his teachings and everything he did while he was on earth, I believe his whole intention was to warn mankind of the condition of their heart and to give us an avenue or a way to change. So he didn't come with the intention of creating human beings and sending them to hell. He came to give us a warning. He came to be our warning sign that we need in our life and in this message series you know we talked about last week about the the picture itself and how that uh, the warning sign was to me when I was driving home from work that day that uh, the warning uh, message center over there says low fuel that was the way my car was telling me one of my gauges were out of alignment that something was going on that I need to pay attention closer and we talked about that last week about how that some of us are just just low on gas it seems like we don't have a, enough gas to get to where we're going because we're just going through life thinking we're going to get there but we're doing nothing to stop at the refueling station to get more gas God is your refueling station his spirit is alive and well in the church today 
the guy on the video that we watched, uh, Francis Chan or Chan, however how he says his name, he says Chan. Sometimes I heard him say Chan before too. So Francis wrote a book, and it's talking about the apathy of the church, how the church is in a state and condition in America, especially that that the state of the church is a, a place where that we just uh, are are just floating and just uh, just sliding on by, and we don't really. Uh, go after God. We go after Him maybe on Sunday for an hour, and and the rest of the week we just do what we want to do. That there's a, there's an apathy in the church, and he goes about this in this um, from the text that he quoted there in uh, Revelation chapter three, verses fourteen. I'm going to read it to you. It says, "Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is a message from the one who is who is the Amen, the faithful, true witness." The beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like a lukewarm water. Neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable. And poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me in my throne, just, I w just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what is being said to the churches. So as Jesus was speaking back to the church at Laodicea, he was, he was uh, helping them and refining them and telling them that there was a way out of their condition. It was a warning sign to the church at Laodicea. There are seven different churches in Revelations. The beginning part, everybody wants to know, well, what's the meaning? And, and, and they want to dig into Revelations and find about, about the end time events. Because everybody thinks Revelations is about futuristic things. Correct? Most people in church that read Revelations want to know about the future. God is worried about your future. But he's more worried about your present. He's worried about where are you at right now in your walk with him. So don't worry about what your future is going to be or how that you need a warning sign of, of knowing that it's going to be. If I told you right now that the rapture of the church would happen in 2030 on July the 1st and you need to be ready by July the 1st, we would all live our lives carelessly. We would do our own thing. And then to, uh, on about June of, of, of 2030, that's when we would start lining our life up and getting ready because we're all, what do they call them, the ones that uh, wait, uh, procrastinators. That's what we are as human beings. We procrastinate. We put off until the very last moment. I don't know about you, Albie, but whenever you get a, a, a something at, at school and you got a, a maybe a paper you have to do and, and they tell you, they give you a warning of like six months you're going to be in this class and at the end of the class you have to have this paper done 
Do you work on it the whole six months, or do you wait till the last week? And then like, oh, no, Dusty, I can't believe this. i got so much to do, and it's so bad, and it's, I'm just so hectic, and I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, and this is too much. They give you six months' warning to finish the paper. It's the way God is with us. He gives us a long-term projection of how to live your life. He don't say live carelessly. He don't say live in apathy. He don't try, say to just try to barely get by in life and just go through nonchalantly, not caring about other people. He tells us to live intentionally in every moment to be the very best person we can be because that's his desire for us. But if he gives us something to do, if we put it off till the end and then we can't get it finished when the time's due for the paper to be turned in, that's not his fault. It's our fault. And you need to think about your life just like that term paper. Think about it, that God has told you your life someday is going to be cashed in and you, you are to submit to me your life on a sheet of paper. And I'm going to look over and review the letter that you send me and I'll grade you A, B, C, D, E, or F. But truly... A lot of those letters are not going to be there. There's not going to be a B-class Christian. not going to be a C-class Christian or a D-class Christian. You're either going to have an A or you're going to have an F. And that's what Francis Chan is saying here. That too many Christians think they're going to get into heaven with a C grade on their term paper. When God is saying, I either want you to pass or I want you to fail. Didn't he tell us that it was kind of like going back unless you're as a child, you can't enter the kingdom? When you're in kindergarten, what kind of grades do you get? A or F. Satisfactory or unsatisfactory. That's your two options as a, as a kindergartner. So God's going to grade you on that kindergarten scale. It isn't college-level stuff where that you can say, well, I've got a 3.8, that's close enough. It's either 4.0 or 0.0. And if God's given us a warning sign today, he's telling us if you're lukewarm, if you're only, and you've, you've tried to get a little bit better, and, and you come to God and you ask him to help you because you was in trouble in your life, and you had, it was perplexed, and it was messed up, and there was so much uh, anxiety and fear, and, and everything's going on, and you don't know how to control your life anymore, and you come to God because it's in the moment that something's going on, and, and it's just like a, 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 a catastrophic moment where it feels like, I can't do this anymore, and you come to God, and then, then he begins to help you and, and bring you out of that mess, and, and you start allowing him to work in your heart a little bit and, and some of those conditions uh, level off and weigh off your shoulders. And, and you know what it's like to be saved? It feels like a weight is completely shifted off your shoulders. That is God helping you and cleansing you. But if you walk around through life thinking as a Christian, well, God wiped me clean. He made me new. He gave me a new white coat and, and I'm dressed real good right now. But I feel like that it wouldn't really hurt if I picked up this old condition I used to have 
I'll just wear that one for a while. That, this one's not that bad. Most people in church probably do this too, so it's not probably really a problem. I'll just carry this one around. As Christians, it, we literally do this. So then we carry that around for a while, and then it get, kind of get our body built back up to it. You were used to it, and we're thinking, well, that won't be too bad. I, I, I can handle this one. I can take care of this. When God cleansed you from that, it was something that was weighing you down before, but now you've picked it back up and put it back on your own shoulders. And we walk around life like, okay, this is good. I, I, I'm getting stronger. I can, I can handle this. I can dive into it when I want to and walk away from it when I want to. And I'm in control of this situation now. It's not really bothering me like it was before I got saved because I was all weighed down. I don't feel a burden right now. So then the next thing you know, you go and find you something else that you used to do too. Now I'll put that one on there. It's like, man, this feels a little bit heavier. I don't know. It's kind of crazy feeling. I, I don't feel as good as I used to. I feel like I can't do as much for God as I used to because I've got a weight on my shoulder. There's some, something here has hindered me. I can't really tell what's going on. Something's, something's messed up. But then the longer we do it and keep going and another month goes by, another six months goes by, another year goes by, and, and it's just like, okay, I'm getting used to this again. I'm in control of this situation. I, I know how to help myself. I've, I've read self-help books, and, and I know about leadership, and I know about all this stuff, and I'm, I'm gaining all this information so that I can, I can take care. I can control. I'm in charge. This is the church. Walking around with our weights on our shoulders then we get to condition that we think well those two things were pretty fun but I don't really care about them I'm going to I'm going to get me a big load I want, I want to pick this one up just to prove to everybody I can I'll just carry this one around everybody's noticing something different in my life used to have had joy used to have had peace when I first became a Christian Used to there, I would go out and help people in the community, and I would I would do everything I could because as a newborn Christian, I felt like I was on fire for God and doing everything I could. Next thing you know, you're carrying around all these big weights, and you're so weighed down, you can't do anything. I can't help nobody because I'm taking care of too much stuff on my own. Because I'm in control, I'm in charge. I don't know when the word lukewarm. And Christian got paired together. But I'm telling you this, you won't find it in the Bible. You can't be lukewarm and still be a Christian. You can't be straddling the fence and still be a Christian. You either love Jesus and are following what he tells you to do, or you're not. In or out. Either in the game or you're not. God's the only umpire needed. He don't need a bunch of people helping. Taking care of all the rest of the world's problems. He can handle it. You either love him or you don't. And I don't know about you, but when I'm talking about this, I can absolutely sense and know that this warning sign it's for me. This is my life. I'm the one carrying around all these other people's burdens and thinking I can fix other people. 
As pastor, I can't help but tell you. My mom's warned me and warned me and warned me and warned me and warned me. She says, quit trying to make people happy. Quit chasing people around. load's getting heavier all the time. Laosian church. Your apathy. Your get by mentality. Is graded as F. What about this church? What do we know about the history of this church? Anybody know where Laodicea is? I'll give you a map today of the world. Could you point it out? Could you find it anywhere in the Bible? I'm putting this down because I'm tired. It's in Asia Minor. Providence of Asia. John the Revelator saw in a vision that Jesus pointed out and said write this letter back to these seven churches and I want you to tell them about their condition write down make it plain John what's going on because why because God wanted to warn those churches and if you look at those churches and see those churches and read through all those and study those churches and try to find out where Sardis and Philadelphia and where all these other churches was in Asia. This town, Laodicea, was a place that was, that was kind of thriving. They had it going on and, and they was really, really close to Colossae. It's the book of Colossians in your Bible. There's an epistle to Colossians. You ever read the book of Colossians? Anybody ever read that one? The epistle? Has anything ever stuck out to you in that book? I was an early Christian. I'm talking about within probably the first six months of me being saved. I was reading through the book of Colossians. And I was reading through, or something struck out over the page at me. And it's in the very last chapter of that book. It says, I want to take you to the right verse to make sure. It's the very last chapter of Colossians 4. Verse 16, Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. After you've read Paul writing this letter to the church at Colossae, after you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. Have you ever noticed that before? And you should read the letter I wrote to them. You should read the letter I wrote to them. Anybody ever read the letter of Laodicea that Paul wrote to them? Look for it in your Bible. There's not a book in there called Laodicea. There's not an epistle to Laodicea. Paul told this church, 
Read this letter, pass it on to Laodicea. Laodiceans, you take your letter and give it over to Colossae. And I want you guys to read the letter that was written to both of you. And you can't find the letter today. It's non-existent. The letter to the Laodiceans is absent from your Bible. What if Jesus warned you, come out of the condition you're in, or you're going to be spewed out of my mouth, and I'll remember you no more? What if a warning from Jesus is truly serious? That life and death is on the line. Your future is on the line. Everything you think is normal is on the line. He gives you a warning, but you don't do anything with that warning. He gives you a prophet to come and speak in your ears and tell you the condition of your heart and explain to you the things to do to get out of that condition. But you sit there in apathy thinking, I'll be just fine. I've made it this far. I'll just keep going the way I'm going. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. The letter is gone off the face of the earth. I wish I could read that letter, Dusty. Because I love this Bible. I love the Word of God. I love reading the Word of God. I love looking into the Word of God and looking for these little secret passages like that right there where the, you can read through Colossians a thousand times in your life. I don't know how many people's ever seen that and read that because they just read across it and just keep on going like nothing's really up. But why shouldn't the Spirit of God speak into our hearts? Well, where is that Bible? Where's, where's that in the book? Where's the letter of the land of sins? Are you concerned about it? Do you care? Do you wish you could read it today so you could know what Paul was saying to a church that was there in a rich part of the country that was doing really well that had a lot of stuff? I want to know everything I can know about God. Why? Because that's how my love for God began. When I first got saved as a Christian, Albie, I lived in a trailer up on the Dubway Highway. I lived there by myself. Christian TV, mom would, she would come down, and I left Christian TV playing on my TV 24-7. I would never turn it off because I wanted, the, I wanted the atmosphere, I wanted my walls to be soaked with the presence of God. I kept my Bibles laid out. I would have six or seven Bibles out at one time. I would have concordances. I would have uh, study Bibles. I would be underlining, highlighting, digging through. But apathy steps in, and we take on other things. Now I read books on leadership. Now I read books on how to grow a church. And I read all these other books about society and, and, and how people's minds work and, and about, uh, you know, I get into all this stuff and try to, and, and the Bible tells us that there's philosophy and it's vain deceit. And I weigh myself down with these things of figuring out are you a type A or type B or type C or type D so that as a pastor I know how to lead you. 
And in doing all those things, I'm putting weights back on my shoulder, Amy, that I'm trying to figure out, well, what type is Amy? What type's Earl? And, and how can I make sure that they're okay and they're, they're in the process to go this direction? And I can try to make sure to set you up for success. And, and I'm taking all this weight and putting it on my shoulder. When Jesus is sitting there saying, I didn't call you to master the church. I called you to pastor the church. I can't take on all Mary's problems. I can't put it on my shoulders and say, I'm going to carry Mary around and figure out all the her problems and all she's dealing with. That's God and Mary to deal that. He will work it out. He will whisper in her ear. He will tell her pastor what to preach so that she can sit there and say, I feel God moving in my life again. I feel like I've been in apathy. I'm in a state of lukewarmness. And if I feel like God graded me today, I would be a grade D. Do you worry about it at all? If the rapture happened this very instant, where are you going to go, heaven or hell? What's your heart tell you right now? Whatever God's Spirit is speaking to your heart is absolutely the truth. And if you're sitting there and He's telling you you're going to go to a hell, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? He's giving you a warning sign this very instant in your life. And He's telling you make a decision. Lay out of sins, what are you going to do? John wrote them the letter in Revelations. Apparently they didn't do nothing about it because they got spewed out of God's mouth and there's not a church there. There's not a letter for the church to read from there today. You know why? Because they didn't do nothing. They didn't do nothing about it. And if God's warning you, if you've been sensing God telling you that there's an apathy going on in your life, that there's lukewarmness in your life, you can't be lukewarm in a Christian. Either in or out. It's as simple as that, Debo. Are you on fire or are you backed off? Are you as hungry for Jesus as you used to be or are you just sliding backwards and feel like I can't hold on anymore? It's up to God's Spirit to speak into your heart to tell you that. I can't tell you. I'm not your judge. I can't judge your life. But I can tell you this. I can tell when people sitting around with gloom and doom on their face and weighed down by the conditions of this world and I can see it on your face. Your face tells the story. When I used to look out and you was all happy and, and inspired and pumped up and doing anything you could do to help build up the church. I've watched it happen. People slip away. Used to lead ministries at Bethesda. And today are out drinking, swarping, and doing everything they want to do. They totally gave up on God. Because they slid. And when God gave them a warning sign, they didn't do nothing with it. God's telling you today, straighten up. This is the temperature gauge. On the dashboard. How hot are you? How hot are you? If we could put a thermometer in your mouth today, what should it read? 98.6. What if that was a spiritual thermometer that you put in your mouth? And it was supposed to read 212. What would it read? You know what happens at 212 degrees of temperature Fahrenheit with water? It changes state. When it changes state, 
it takes on a whole new dimension. When one molecule of water expands to steam, it expands 1,700 times in space. You can literally make a bomb out of your hot water heater at your house. They did it on Mythbusters. Because water will blow up. It's still water, but it expanded into a whole new state. Do you still have enough temperature? You can take that same molecule that's expanded 1,700 times, and you can start cooling it down. At the very minute, whenever it gets 212 degrees, it'll turn back to liquid. It'll take on its previous state. If you aren't in that expanded realm that God took you to when he added the temperature to you, you've changed state and come back to who you used to be. I'm telling you, I've watched Christians a lot in my life, including myself, cool down farther than they wanted to go. scares me to death because this past week as I'm praying about these warning sign messages I had a dream in the middle of the night I had a dream me and one other person there's a bunch of us was there it was in this big looked like a big castle looking thing and was traveling and trying to get around in it and in an instant in this castle it was like a a lightning bolt shot through the middle of the castle. And it, was, it looked like uh, one of those mushroom clouds happened. You've seen like a, when an A-bomb goes off that it just expands over top of it and it just went straight up. And instantly there was people got sucked into that stream and was being jetted out. And after that was over, me and somebody in this room standing there left behind and I woke up scared to death because the Bible gives us warning you're going to come to me and say but I pastored the church God God I was, I was, I was your pastor I don't care what your position is where's your heart apathy won't cut it and it saddened me because I looked at that person and they said Ben what are you doing here I said I don't really know I don't know I thought I should have went but I didn't that don't wake you up I don't know what will I'm not going to tell you who it is but there's somebody sitting in this room that I'm telling you God's given you a warning sign and either you wake up or someday it's going to be too late that was my dream this week and it's probably been, I don't know how many years since I truly had a dream like a revelation from God. But I think he gave me a warning.
say, quit worrying about leadership. Start worrying about my word. Start worrying about applying what this says. Not just reading it for understanding, but reading it for revelation. Where that it changes the state of who I am. I don't want to be liquid anymore. I'm ready for that expanded state of steam. I want to be the vapor. That's what Paul says. We see like a vapor. That's what I want to be like. I want to be where God can make me so I'm still water, but I can't be seen. Steam is hidden. Eric walks through it every week in a true state of the form of steam. If, if you get steam in its, in its condition, it's, it's invisible. You can't even see it. It'll cut you in two. You can walk through a steam line that's truly leaking on high-pressure steam. It'll cut your body completely in two, and you'll never know it because it's invisible. I'm telling you right now, I want to be in the invisible state where God changes me so much I can't even see myself anymore. And when you see me, you won't even know it's me. I want God to move in our church. And the only way he's ever going to move in our church is if we become invisible. So that he is the only thing that can be seen. Is there anybody who will join me? Is there anybody who will say, Pastor Ben, I want that to be me. I want to become invisible. I want God to radically transform my life to a degree that I can't even tell who I am anymore because he's changed me that much. Won't you stand, Les, if you come play? Warning signs. What's your temperature? See, because we got gas last week, we went to the fueling station and said, God, fill me up. Renew my strength. I'm sure that'll help you in a lot of ways. And Dusty sent me a picture last week that he took from the back when everybody come up front to get prayed for last week. And there was people all the way across the front of here as we prayed for you. That there will be a refueling, a refreshing, a restirring. I'm telling you, fuel is good, but your temperature matters. The temperature of your heart matters more than the fuel in your tank. And God is asking you today, what are you going to do about your temperature? Bow your head, close your eyes. I just want to ask you this very simple question. Everybody here, just bow your head, close your eyes. No one looking around, so that you don't need to be looking. Everybody here, just bow your head, close your eyes. I want to ask you this. Is there anybody here that will say that the Spirit of God is speaking to my heart and I can tell right now that I've been lackadaisical. I've been in this state of lukewarmness that I'm not really hot, that I'm not freezing cold, but I just know I'm somewhere in the middle. And I'm glad that God has pointed out today that my life, it's either pass or fail. Is there anybody here that will raise their hand and say, I'm in that condition. I'm in a lukewarm condition and I'm sick of it. I want today to be the day that I change. I want God to fire me up again. I'm ready for the fire of God to land on my life. 
that he will ignite me just as in the day of Pentecost that my life will become on fire and I will be changed in this moment. The state of my heart will change in this moment. I will become transparent. The people won't even know me when I go back on my job site the way it used to be. They'll say, who are you? The condition of my face will change. I want to pray. If everybody here will just repeat this prayer after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I have walked away willfully on my own. I've not done the things that you've told me to do. You've gave me warnings. You've gave me signs. And today, you gave me a message. And Lord, I'll receive that message. I see the condition of my heart. And Lord, I want change. I want change today. Change my condition. Make me on fire again. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, just as they did in Acts 2, that, that they represented fire. Fire. In the name of Jesus, I desire this. I'm asking for this. Help me today, God, to change. In Jesus' name. Father God, I pray, Lord, that throughout the remaining parts of this warning series, the warning signs, God, that you're giving us, God, I pray that our hearts would be awakened for you. God, I pray for all those up to this point, Lord, that they haven't saw the place where that they needed to be involved or get involved. God, I pray for the condition of the heart for every person in this place. God, that you would reveal your warning signs to us, your church. And God, that we would heed those warnings and we would change what we're doing. In Jesus' name. Number 6, 24 through 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you need special prayer, we'll have somebody up front to pray with you. I ask you this week to go love God, love people, and be everything your community needs you to be. You're dismissed.